Quantum Kickflip is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Previously on Quantum Kickflip. Now, Chester, you haven't interacted with Tristan as much as the others, but uh, seeing her in this moment, you get a weird feeling that you recognize her from somewhere. In some of my dad's notes, he was saying something about his research at Drow working to stop Miper at something. I haven't uncovered everything, but... Oh, Lake! Great! You're back with those Twizzlers! (laughs) Based on the way this map is laid out, you can tell which dimension should be where. But if this layout is accurate, then Ezria isn't Empyrean at all. It's the first dimension you ever visited together, the place where you all became a crew. Hezria is Vestige. Do you think those arborists in Thenispar might know more about this? In front of you, you see a large stone dais, uh, upon which sits a curved blade resting in a stand. Do we touch this sword? It feels like it would be a bad thing, you know? Like, this this just screams Indiana Jones puzzle, Ah, you know? ah, And Angus picks up the sword. (laughs) (laughs) You notice a framed picture sitting off uh, one side of a shelf, and you suddenly realize where you've seen Tristan Voss before. She's right there, looking much younger, but it's unmistakably her. And the girl she's got her arm around is unmistakably a teenaged version of your Grand Capone. and welcome back to Quantum Kickflip, a Slug Blaster actual play podcast. My name is Robin, I am your host, I am your Slug Master, and with me is uh, five of my best and funniest friends in the whole world, and they are going to introduce themselves right now. Uh, I want to introduce you in the order of, you know how everyone has like something kind of wild that they believe, whether it's like a conspiracy theory or like a supernatural or like something something out there that they, they kind of secretly like believe is true? I want to know whose character believes the wildest thing. And let's go mildest to wildest. <laughs> go. Uh, yes. Hello. Hello, world. I am Lena. Lena Anderson is my name, and my character's <laughs> name is Angus Franklin. He's the Guts playbook with the Skip Mode Runners. I don't think he believes things that are, like, particularly wild, especially, I guess, in a world of, like, portals and dimensions and big, big slugs. But I think I, there's, like, a perception that, like, Null is like the the kind of nothing dimension, which is of course like the dimension that we're all from Earth. Uh, but I think he would maintain that uh, the most normal dimension uh, is Quahalia because we just don't realize how messed up our dimension is. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> really makes you think. Really makes you think, man. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, my name is Liam. I play Lake Marsden. She's the heart of the team. She wields the reality cannon. The right side of her body is uh, all just like a glitched out mess. Like uh, if you ever seen. Uh, the term like data mosh of just where images sort of get mushed over each other. Uh, that's the right side of her body. Uh, and I think uh, Lake, it's not so much that she believes it, but no one has explicitly told her the tooth fairy doesn't exist. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> if you caught her on the wrong day, she might just be like, yeah, the tooth fairy. Uh, <laughs> it just becoming an issue because she stopped losing teeth. She lost the teeth. It just never came up. So like, it's never going to come up. It, uh, but, but technically she, she's, yeah, no one has explicitly told her. As soon teeth. as it does, she'll be like, oh yeah, no, that's not real. But yeah. until it does, she hasn't exactly. had that epiphany yet. Oh, I yeah. love it. 
<laughs> Mine's probably pretty middling. Uh, my name is Michael Vetch, and I'm here playing Nick Lowe, the Smarts Playbook, the uh, sword-wielding anime-loving adventure boy. And uh, I think this is something that he will learn the truth about later in life, but at this point in time, uh, Nick still believes that the original Japanese Power Ranger series was actually just a documentary of, like, early multidimensional stuff <laughs> happening. <laughs> That's he just believes cool. all the rest of the Super Sentai genre is, is parody off of those original actual documentary films. <laughs> uh, it's so good. Hey, my name is Glenna. I play Elliot Buchanan. She is the chill playbook. She uses a voidware backpack to carry around all of her stuff. She's an aspiring singer-songwriter. And uh, she fully believes that uh, there was a split in everyone's memories about the Berenstain Bear books, except because we're in a weird alternate version. It's actually the Berenstain Bears in this version. <laughs> and she believes that everyone, <laughs> that the split of the timelines, like she remembers the Berenstain with an A, but in this reality, it's spelled with an E. Oh, oh that's so good. Yes. <laughs> canon now yeah. <laughs> uh, my name is David Ray and I play Chester Capone who is the grip playbook with some fancy power armor and uh, Chester believes that uh, all these extra dimensions that have been opened up uh, via slug blasting in the last few years uh, that this is actually what Walt Disney went to do when he faked his death and he went and created, like, just spent billions upon billions of dollars to create other dimensions to go to. And uh, uh, the slug blasters are meant to be, like, uh, testers. You know what I mean? Like, testing to make sure that the rides are somewhat safe. Because as far as he knows, nobody's actually died in these other dimensions yet. So <laughs> This is, the like, the that's ultimate true. form of Walt's Fantasia. Yeah, that's right. And he always wanted to go to uh, Disney World, but uh, he's like, I, I'm just sneaking across the line, you know what I mean? Beautiful. And as I said, my name is Robin, I'm your host, and I believe in this podcast. And if you're a listener, you know it can get pretty wild at sometimes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, welcome back. Uh, last we left our crew... You guys had just completed a run in Empyrean, uh, sort of manufactured beef with Lazy Bunny, led to a, a contest to try and get a selfie uh, with a, a mythical cryptid, and uh, also led uh, a portion of our crew off on a, on a wacky side quest into an ancient arborist temple, which resulted in them re retrieving some cool uh, weaponry? Question mark? <laughs> oh, yeah. I think there's still some secrets that have yet to come out. I think there's some revelations that have not been uh, revealed to everyone yet. So I say we ought to just get back into it. Uh, what do you say, gang? We ready to play some Slug Blaster? Let's yeah. do it. Yeah, let's go. Right, then I take you now to Hillview Secondary. Cafeteria at Hillview Secondary is, like everything else in the school, underwhelming. Long formica-top tables with creaky built-in benches are lined up end-to-end -end in two long rows that stretch all the way from the vending machines to the other vending machines. There is an opening in the far wall with a small counter that leads into the home ec room, where students volunteer their free labor in exchange for extra credit. A line of kids stretches away from the counter, directly in everyone's way, winding awkwardly through a space that was clearly never intended to accommodate it. There is a single slice of processed cheese stuck to the roof that has been there for as long as anyone can remember, and seated at the table directly underneath it, we find Chester, Nick, Elliot, and Angus. 
Okay, uh, I'm glad we, we're all here right now. I, I gotta show you something. Uh, and Chester reaches into his backpack and he pulls out uh, this folded up photo and he uh, unfolds it and reveals the photo of uh, a young Graham Capone with Tristan Voss. So yes, uh, a bunch of you are seeing this photo for the very first time. So I want to just describe it in a little more detail because um, we kind of ended with it last time. So this is a black and white photo that Chester found at home on the shelf. Um, of two young girls uh, who look similar in age, uh, one of which is clearly a very young Graham Capone, uh, and the other of which is Chester has determined with his receptive ability a very young Tristan Voss. Now, Chester, at this point, you have asked Graham Capone, you've confronted her about this, but have not received an answer uh, or any further information from her. She's just refusing to talk about it. Every time you bring it up, she gets kind of kind of cold and just shuts the conversation down. Uh, the specific thing she has said to you is, the past is like a wheat thresher. If you stick your nose in it, well, there goes your nose. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Graham Caponism. Um, but that's all you've been able to get out of her th- thus far. So you're bringing it here to uh, to get your friend's input on the situation. Sorry, too much peanut butter. Oh my gosh, is that Tristan Voss? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that is. And, and I know that that's Graham Capone, you can tell. Because of, like, the makeup, that smile, and the fact that it says uh, uh, Graham Capone on the back of this uh, uh, photo, so. <laughs> Does your Graham not have a first name? Uh, well, I assume she does, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> she always said, call me Graham. And I'm like, okay, Graham Capone, I'll listen to you. You're, you're, you're the boss, you know. That's fair. My grandmother's name is Audrey. <laughs> like Hepburn? <laughs> I think at this moment, uh, Juniper comes walking up and is like, oh, are you, are you showing them the, the picture? Isn't it fascinating? Can you, can you believe? Like Tr- Tristan Voss. It's incredible. Yeah. I was I was thinking I got a theory theory. I'm thinking that on another dimension, uh Walt Disney may have invented the Fountain of Youth. And maybe Tristan Voss came oh, across Chester, it. We've been we've been over this. It's not he didn't invent it's 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 not Walt Disney. It's they're just other other facets of reality and listen, I, I don't know how old your gram is and, and I don't know where I would even begin to find that out, but it it seems like it lines up i mean tristan voss was is uh is older than people think she's just got a lot of money and and can look like i i've been reading her biography and uh what was the name of that book again uh, the name (laughs) of that book is uh mega friction dreams the tristan voss story by tristan voss nice Nice. So I've been I've been reading Nega Friction Dreams, and yeah, like she she doesn't confirm her exact birth date, but but it seems like she was around for at, at least the sixties. So it it seems like it might actually make sense. Yeah. All right. So I don't know what to do about this because what happens if Tristan Voss is up to no good? You know, and and Graham Capone won't tell me anything. I I, I need to find out more about Tristan Voss. I think at this point. Uh, Dexter uh, comes by with a tray and is like, "Oh, dang! What, what, what are you guys talking about? Hey, hey, who's it? What's, what's going on with the picture here?" Oh, I, I'm just showing this picture uh, uh, of my Graham Capone uh, with 
I had Tristan Voss. But you know what's weird about this photo is that my Gramcophone is way older, and Tristan Voss looks uh, younger than my Gramcophone. So we're trying to figure out if maybe Tristan Voss has access to a fountain of youth, or maybe like chemicals that make her look young. I mean, maybe she's pretty rich, so that kind of thing, you know, not not unheard of. But I, I tell you, if you if you want to learn more about what's going on in that photo, you know where you should take it is Quahalia. I've been there one time. I just I was passing through on my way from one place to another place, and my my socials textbook fell out of my backpack, and like Quahalia memories and ideas and like abstract concepts are are just as real as like reality, like matter and energy. It's all the same. There's no distinction. So so my social book fell out and suddenly I was like right there and in, in the uh, Red River Resistance right next to Louis Riel. I was I was like living it in real time. I learned so much stuff. Only A I ever got on a test. Huh. I think if you were to bring that photo there, you'd, you'd, you know, be able to see what was really going on, probably. Interesting. What a fascinating concept. By the way, Jennifer, have you met Dexter? Uh, <laughs> n- no, I, I've never had the... Pl- ah, I'm Dexter. Pleased to meet you. What was your your name? Was what, uh, J- June, June, Junebug? What was it? Sorry, I wasn't listening. Juniper, l- like the berry. Ah, like the berry. Ah, yeah, Juniper Berry. Got it. Juniper Berry. Juniper Berry. Juniper Berry. Okay, got it. Locked in the old mind like a steel trap now. Never forget it. See you later, Juniper Berry. <laughs> and he goes to try and find another spot <laughs> on the bench somewhere. I... Th- I think at this moment, uh, everyone who's at the table begins to really hover over the photo, looking at it really closely, inspecting all these details. Uh, and you are all startled by a pop sound, like a real pop, uh, as if uh, someone just burst a bubble gum. Uh, and Lake <laughs> is uh, standing behind all of you and just like a big smile on her face. She's chewing gum. Uh, and she's like, hey, what do you guys, what's everyone looking at? Um, we're just looking at this photo of my Graham Capone. Hey, uh, who do you think that is beside her? What? Is that Tristan Voss? Yeah, I think it might be. So, but but Dexter was just telling us about Quahalia, uh, uh, and apparently, if you take stuff with you, uh, you can maybe like uh, it could. I don't know. He, he said a lot of things real quick, and I lost it. Yeah, but. He said it was the one time that he got an A on his social test. I think I remember that week. That was also when he was telling me that he was, like, three other people all at once. And uh, one of them had their head on the end of one arm. And the other one had their head on the other end of a knee. I could not make sense of what he was saying. It, like, Quahalia seems pretty messed up. And I'm not even sure about the Louis Riel bit. Well, I mean... We can get if we if we wanted to go. I'm sure we could get killer logic binders from the fine folks at Miper who sponsor us. I mean, don't we already have logic binders? Oh, I'm just just trying to encourage. You know, we get good ones. We don't have to worry about you know our heads on the end of our hands. Right. I'd I'd go to Quahalia. That's all I'm saying. Now, this is maybe a good time to point out that uh, Nick has revealed to four out of five members of the crew that he has uh, some suspicions about Miper and is looking into a deeper mystery involving his dad uh, and his dad's disappearance and the research he was doing at the time of his disappearance. But uh, this has not been yet revealed to Lake. I think Lake is aware of everyone's misgivings about Miper, but doesn't know the full extent of it. And I guess we'll see if, if uh, the crew has decided to let her in on that particular secret. Well, I, I mean, 
We need to uh, do another run anyways, right? So maybe we can go to Quahalia and, you know, maybe we can actually get a, a video of us with our head on our hands. And we can have a puppet show with our own heads on our hands. Is that not going to work, everybody? I thought that was a pretty good idea. <laughs> uh, no, that... I, I guess <laughs> if that's our only lead to figuring out what's going on with this wild picture, then... You think it's like an Elizabeth Bathory thing? Like Tristan Voss bathes in the blood of virgins or something? <laughs> maybe. I'm going with that theory. Nice. I'm on board. I don't know. Maybe she's just rich. Don't rich people have really nice skincare regiments? Like the blood of virgins. You're on board. Oh, okay. How do we even get to Quahalia anyway? That is a good question. You guys have not currently unlocked a route there. However, you have at this moment four style in your crew style bank. And I believe at any time you can spend two to unlock any portal zone on the map, which would just allow you to unlock a route in and a route out. I mean, we can call in some favors and... Get some of the navigators, you know, uh, dimensional navigators at Miper to help us. <laughs> well, um, I with this armor, I know that one of the things I can kind of access is uh, some dimensional gates information. I I, I could probably find a way to Quahalia. At, just hold on a second. Okay, wait. Main menu. Navigation. <laughs> dimensional navigation. I've actually been doing some additional digging into... The files on my my dad's old laptop. I I could probably chart out something for us if I if, if I was given enough time. Squalia with a Q or a K. Well, it sounds like we got options. Uh, and so yeah, let's let's spend that style. Desney and waking fits out. Done. Um, yeah, works for me. Uh, does anybody have a Popularian Express card? We're already on it, Chester. But I love I love the enthusiasm. I'm going to guess at sixteen numbers. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Two. Roll 16d6. <laughs> uh, I think uh, Devani uh, comes walking up at this moment, uh, here, having heard you talking about your Miper armor, and is like, uh, you guys talking about the Miper thing in, uh, in uh, Vestige? Have you heard? No, what's going on? They've got the whole area cordoned off, like that the 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 spot we go through in the gravel pits it's like they're they're not letting anyone through they've got rescue outposted and everything they don't want anyone in there angus oh. gives nick a worried look that's wild and they haven't said why or anything i mean i didn't stick around to find out i i don't want to get on rescue's bad sides i i don't exactly want my mom knowing about where i get off to or or what i get up to or you know there goes my hoverboard yeah no that's fair hmm hmm Weird. Well, if we can't go uh, through Vestige, then um, wait a second. I can figure this out. Navigation. Well, we'd have to go through the the Golden Jungle to Thanis Bar. Yeah, that that makes sense. Well, oh no, there's the cultists there, though. I think at this point, Jason and Kabir uh, join the table and are like, "Oh yeah, talking about those wicked, weird cultist guys that we met in the jungle." Yes, those guys were messed up. Are those the same guys from Town Day? Why oh. is everyone walking by the cheese table? <laughs> hey, you guys chose the best seats of the cafeteria. You can't get bad when, when people want to want to get in on the action. Yeah, everybody loves the cheese table. That's why I come here all the time. Um, okay, we, we should probably go through the Golden Jungle then. Right? 
And I, oh, I, lunch is almost over. Why don't we just meet up under the bleachers after school and we'll we'll have figured it out by then, okay? I think at that moment, uh, Mr. Patterchuk comes walking up and is like, figured what out, exactly? What are you all gathering? It looks like a lot of loitering going on here. Keep away from the cheese, Patterchuk. <laughs> and immediately all everyone, all the all these hangers on scatter as Patterchuk kills the vibe. <laughs> With that, I think we're good to cut to later in the day. So I want to catch up with uh, Angus later that afternoon. Um, I think you're sitting in your afternoon class. It's a socials class. I think we've called it history in the past. Uh, I may have uh, <laughs> conflated the two when they are, in fact, the, the same. Uh, they are not separated in Alberta curriculum. I'm from BC, so it's different. Um, but uh, <laughs> okay. one way or another, Mr. Scottsdale is at the front of the room doing what he does best and uh, going on about uh, the latest lesson plan. The Red River Rebellion, also known as the Red River Resistance, Red River Uprising, or First Riel Rebellion, was the sequence of events that led up to the 1869 establishment of a provisional government by Métis leader Louis Riel in the early stages of establishing today's Canadian province of Manitoba. It had earlier been a territory called Rupert's Land and had been under the control. And he just kind of keeps going like that. Uh, Angus is used to uh, Scottsdale's uh, timbre and uh, uh, pacing, uh, so he knows that he can heel tap twice. His social studies notes, for the record, are extremely messy. <laughs> He's skating by in this one. <laughs> I think sort of out of nowhere in the middle of this lecture... Uh, Angus feels his foot kind of forcibly toe tap two times. <laughs> and he actually, he actually like freezes for a second. He's like scared for a moment and he looks down at his feet. Uh, and there's a, a somewhat astral phased kind of transparent Nick crouched underneath his desk. <laughs> Angus. Angus. Angus stays very still. His hands slowly clench into fists and uh that's uh his equivalent of a startled goodness me reaction uh, <laughs> and through gritted teeth he's like what are you doing what, what are we gonna do about the run i think we just need to do the run but if if we go to cohelia what what if we miss out on on some vital information in vestige I don't know, man. It seems like Vestige is pretty locked down right now. Um, but we're going through Thenispar. Maybe, maybe we can get a little lost and check in with some cultist friends. That's true. I guess if we hit that on the way through, it might just delay checking out that picture, but... Yeah, um... It's just so hard to focus on school when well, we've got all these different mysteries going on. Yeah, yeah, that's the real reason that I can't focus on school for sure. For sure. <laughs> saddle, saddle to the Hudson's Bay Company. And then it continues on. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Angus. I, I didn't mean to bother you. I just, my calc exam felt like the perfect time to split off and come check on you. So, <laughs> You're doing a calc exam with half a brain right now it doesn't take that much kick to do calc <laughs> <laughs> angus just like shakes his head a little bit and he's like uh 
We're about to really burn the bridge with Miper, aren't we? It seems like it. But if... If they truly are up to something behind the scenes, and I think it's about time the bridge started started burning. Yeah. Yeah, I just hope there's not too much crossfire. That's fair. Anyway, I'll see you after school. And with that, uh, Nick taps Angus's heel again for him and then slowly fades away further and sneaks out between the desks. <laughs> Don't do that! Saddle, saddle. Sorry, Mr. Scottsdale. so nick and angus you've hatched a bit of a plan here um Mm -hmm. i think first i need to know what is your what what has the crew settled on for a route here which which way are you going Uh, i believe it was golden jungle thenispar desnine quahelia Okay, sounds good. But you guys are are looking to make a bit of a pit stop uh, along the way. Is that right? Yeah. Cool. I don't want to spend a ton of time on every dimension here because I'm excited to get where we're going. But I think it's only right that we uh, spend some time on the journey here. And I think the best way to do that might just be to get an overall role for how this journey to Quahelia goes for you. Like just, just one team role to see sort of how many complications arise. Um, so who would like to roll for that? Uh, I, I, I could roll uh, because a part of this is uh, um, Chester trying to figure out what's going on with Grand Capone. I want to use some uh, some hype die, if that's possible. Yeah, yeah, I think that might be wise during this. Mm, go for it. Mm-hmm. Take two. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I was going to take two. Sure. Sweet. All right, so I'm rolling an extra two. Total of three, yeah. One of them is a six. There you go. So this goes extremely smoothly for you guys. You guys have done this before. I think Angus at one point located a, uh, was it at the base of, remind me where the portal zone was from Hillview to the Golden Jungle. It came out of a big tree? Came out of a big tree and we had to go under a cell tower. Yeah. Yeah, appropriately yeah. a Miper cell tower that you need to go underneath. <laughs> um, and I think you emerge out into the golden jungle. And it's not, uh, we've established before that like there is no night here. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, there's multiple suns and it's just constantly blazing uh, bright and, and shimmering. And that's kind of where it gets its name from. But I think there's like, depending on the season and the, the distance between the celestial bodies and stuff, you do get like, occasional periods of like almost golden hour twilight uh and i think you you emerge into that so you've all got like long shadows stretching out across the plains um i think you see uh maybe some hyper hornets way off in the distance but uh but just completely unimpeded you're able to just uh hover straight on through uh you find your way easily to the portal zone through to thenis spar and that's where I'm going to throw it over to a couple other members of our team, because you have some ulterior motives here, and I want to know exactly what that looks like. So you all find yourselves in the busy marketplace here in Thenispar. Um, it is bustling at every time of day, uh, but I think you've managed to to make it here at sort of a, a peak hour of, of commerce, where just like the street is crowded with uh, people shouting, buying, selling. There's street performers, there's uh, carts full of spices, there's those... Uh, tall slanted buildings and multicolors and these giant moons filling up the sky hanging over the cobblestone streets and yeah i'm gonna throw it over to nick and angus to let me know what happens next 
hey, uh, gang, we're in Thenispar. While we're here, I have been dying to try that cheesesteak that Chester had that one time. Uh, can we just, like, split off and grab some grub and meet back here in 10? Yeah, I'm always up for an olive oil popsicle. Um, you should be aware it's really hot. Like, it is unbearably hot. Nah, it can't be that spicy. I bet you I can eat it and not react at all. <laughs> That's, that seems like a pretty big boast. I, I think I need to be there to see if, the, if that's true or not. You know, I, I think I should be there for that, you know. <laughs> you know? Yeah, all right, let's go. Can I watch? Can I come to, to watch the eating of the cheesecake? I mean, sure, if you're not going to get bothered by the fact that I'm eating apparently a ridiculously spicy uh, cheesesteak. Well, I, I just want to see, like, you know, you're talking tough, and I want to see if you actually are tough, so you know what I mean? Right, of course. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to come? Sure, yeah. Boys trip for cheesesteaks! Yeah, I was going to say, boys boys, go get cheesesteak. Elliot, you want to come get a popsicle with me? Yeah, okay. All right, see you here in 10, gang. All right. Dang, I was going to make you roll to, like, sneak away, but Lake's, Lake's just letting you walk off, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Why would why why there's no reason to be suspicious? Boy, <laughs> it's fun to divide things by gender line sometimes, and away we go. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Um, I obviously we want to see what happens with uh, with Nick and Angus and Chester here, but I actually kind of want to hang out with Lake and Elliot for a moment because it's been a while since we they've had a beat on their own, and I kind of want to know what's going on with them and if Lake has uh, has any questions or or things that she wants to share with Elliot or just just give them a chance to sort of catch up. So I think you're at the uh, the booth where they sell the famous Thenispar olive oil popsicles that I don't even know how that got established in the first place, but it's a thing now. <laughs> and I think it's just, there's a lineup. It's it's quite long stretching down the block and you guys have have a moment here to sort of catch your breath and, and sort of uh, reconnect. So, um, Lake, you've been like, really pushing the miper thing lately is that are you are you cool with that well yeah i like i said i i wanted to stick it to my mom and i did Mm -hmm. and it didn't feel good at all um i'll be honest it she she cried and got got pretty upset with me um told me i could go do whatever i want so oh but in like that bad way huh yeah, in a in a in a way that didn't feel good. Like I got everything I wanted and it felt about as bad as it could. So you know, damn it, you're right. I don't know, maybe this Miper thing. No, it's good. This is the best thing I have going for 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 me and and for us. So you know, like I told Angus, you know, he's he's on board and 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 Nick's on board unequivocally. <laughs> but I don't I'm I don't want to speak for the whole team. I'm not I'm not the boss of you guys. I'm not the leader. And I'm sorry if it's seemed that way. That's all right. I just, I don't know. You know how I feel about authority. That's fair. <sighs> yeah, and it's it seems like they're, you know, we're we're getting played played at every angle. Like you, you're saying that they tried to trick you into to beefing with Ramona Nova. Uh, that was uh, Juliet. That was Ramona's agent, the brains behind everything, I guess. I and mean, then. Yeah. You know, Tristan Voss said that was good for business too. It's like seems like everyone wants us to pick fights with other slug blasters. Yeah, you'd think it'd be better if we were working together, right? Yeah, right. Rising ships, right? Rising tides, you know, rise all ships or whatever the saying is. 
And I mean, even even someone as bogus as Lazy Bunny is, like, I got a chance to talk to them last run, and they're all underneath that fake corporate bullshit. They're actually, you know, people. That, that was very funny, too. I, 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 I appreciated that. Um, well, I, I, I appreciate your, your support on this, uh, Miper thing. And, and I, I can cool it if, if it's, if I'm pushing it too hard, it, it, it didn't have the effect I hoped it would on my mom. So my, my horse in this race is, is definitely, uh, uh, diminished. Well, maybe we can focus less on Miper, focus less on other teams, and just focus on being weird gravity. Yeah, I'd, I'd like that a lot. Cool. I think you hear from from up the way, like, s- s- something in a language you don't understand, but shouted with the cadence of, next! And you realize that you've been, like, so engrossed in your conversation that you're a few steps back, and, and like, the, the line has cleared in front of you, and uh, the people behind you are starting to glare a little bit. And you make your way up to, to get your, uh, your frozen summertime treat. Let's check in over with the others. Okay, uh, so this is where I got the cheesesteak from, um, right? That... Chester, come on! Huh? We're not getting a cheesesteak. We're after something even spicier. Oh no, that's gotta be real bad. <laughs> Chester hurries after you here. Uh, you make your way up to the Arborist Temple with its uh, silver tree fountain out front with the, the water sort of dripping down from the various branches. You see there's a, uh, a ornate, beautiful stained glass window. The construction and renovations are all finished. The energy screen is down, and there's a beautiful new stained glass window there, uh, having been replaced after Chester smashed it on your first experience here. <laughs> um, and I think you make your way up to the front doors only to find them locked. You don't, you know, not like chained and bolted, but you go to pull them open and they don't give. Uh, and you don't see anyone around here. Um, or any sign of activity. Damn it. Come on. <laughs> Open. Open. Wait. What's, what, what's going on here, guys? Why are we back here? You know that they're not going to like me. Oh. You're going to, are you turning me into the Thanisbarsians? No. Yeah, it's about time, Chester. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you have to pay for your crimes. <laughs> That's a good point. No, no, Chester, uh, we, we, we found something in, on that last run in Empyrean, and we think we can get some answers about it here from the Arborists. If there oh. were any Arborists here that could give us answers. So you need, you need in through this door? Well, I can take care of that for you. Uh, how favorably would they look upon us if we burst in? Well, it turns out I don't, it, it, nothing much happened last time, so I think it should be okay. Chester, they just replaced their window. <laughs> and I guess I'm going to use my heavy-duty servos. I, it's meant to lift or carry heavy uh, things, slowly crush things in your hands, or jump great distances. I I think it's applicable that I might be able to uh, possibly burst down a door. Yeah, I think I think it'll take a roll, but absolutely. Okay, very good. Um. You know what I'm gonna do? I I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna add one die to that from my armor. Good thing I did because uh, I rolled a one and a six. Yay. There you go. Describe to me Chester bursting into this temple. <laughs> I think it's just like a, a, a full on just like sucker punch style. Just like hit. 
uh, from the midsection and then uh, bursts open the door. And uh, I I throw up my uh, visor once again with the Miper armor. I'm in full black. And this thing kind of like shades my whole face. So now uh, they're like, they can't recognize who I am. Uh, I'm just a, a different demon that's walking in. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I start heading into the church. Yeah, you uh, you burst through this door. It, it uh, splinters a little. And uh, on the other side, uh, it is much like the exterior. You don't see many people around. It, it is uh, markedly empty and dark inside, save for one young-looking Thenisparshan uh, in robes who... Uh, is just just mopping the the sort of uh, floorboards, uh, who sees you burst in and exclaims something in Thenisparshan uh, that has the distinct cadence of "What the hell?" <laughs> uh, do you guys have lobe globes with you? Do you have your your universal translators that you've picked up? Yes, Ooh, yeah. I do. Ooh, yeah. I got one from Nick and Operablum. <laughs> uh, Robin, uh, may I mm-hmm. propose that my Miper armor might have a, a translator in it? Absolutely. So, uh, Nick uh, and Angus, you you scramble to put your lobe globes on. Chester, you engage the translator feature, uh, and you hear the same ex- exclamation a second time, but this time it is literally just, what the hell? Uh, okay, so now this is going to go through a translator as I speak, right? So it's going to come out of my robot body. It's not exact. It's not my voice. It's going to be a little bit more robotic. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, Fear not, it is I, Super Jesus, and I am here uh, uh, seeking help. Will you help me? What What was that thing you said in the middle? I don't know what what Super Jesus is. What is that? Uh, uh your Messiah. I think is well, what I don't have to be. a Messiah. Was was the, the you, you said this was the only sort of person in this room at the moment? Yes. Can I teleport behind them? Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll to do a dual teleporting. <laughs> so this is, this is, use a slip rattle. I'm gonna throw one of my 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 <laughs> boost dice on there. Yeah, yeah. So that's two d six. That's a four. Uh huh. That's a mixed success. What exactly are you trying to do here? Uh, I'm teleporting behind him so I can get a hand over his mouth so he stops making a bunch of noise. And I'm thinking I might still have more lobe globes because typically Nick just like has a bunch of them with him for the team. And I can put one on on him so all of us can just kind of talk, talk it out. (laughs) Yeah, I'll give you um, for a four and a mixed success, you're able to pull off the teleport maneuver and slap that lobe globe. Um, but I think you go to put a hand over this person's mouth and they instantly sort of redirect your energy with the mop they're carrying. They sort of like spin and turn and flip you and, and slam you to the ground like judo flip style. Um, <laughs> and we're going to give you a slam for that. Uh, what do we call it? Uh, flipped, I guess. You know what? If you're, gonna, if you're, gonna, if you're thinking of, uh, of uh, popping me a slam, I'm going to use yeah. uh, a new upgrade I just got for my Rift Ninja sneakers, uh, mm-hmm. the reaction switch. Uh, I mark one boost to turn ghostly moments before a slam and avoid it. So I will mark one of the kick in my boost pool. Uh, so I think I've, I've teleported through, swings the mop, and I managed to just like ghostly go and the mop just s- smooshes through me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I think you, you've You've put the lobe globe in place. You've gotten in position. 
um, but you've failed to get a, a hand over this person's mouth. And they're just like, okay, what the, what is going on? Why we, are we you- We just need to talk. We just need to talk. And then I think a look of realization hits them and it's like, it's you. Oh my God. You, you can't be here. Like you guys need to leave right now. We, but we need to, we need to talk. We found some information and we think you guys are the only ones who can help us with it. Okay, well, great for you, but you're kind of public enemy number one around here. I mean, you every time we encounter you, you guys just mess with us and fight us and throw off our plans and, and ruin everything. Like, the, a lot of people are really angry with you guys. I didn't recognize you at first because he's not wearing the same armor, but... But yeah, you guys, you guys need to go. Can we at least, can you at least tell us about this? And as Angus is talking, he's uh, uh, fiddling with a uh, messenger bag at his side. And he pulls out a binder. And out of the binder, he pulls out a rolled up t-shirt. And he unrolls the t-shirt and pulls out the dagger that they found at the temple in Imperium. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think this person is like, Listen, I don't, I don't know how long people are gone for or when they're going to be back, but if, listen, you just need to, and then they, they see the dagger and Im- immediately kind of lose their, their train of thought and are like, uh, okay, um, here, come into the back and, and we'll chat as quick as we can. You are, you are so lucky that the High Forester has, has taken some sort of shine to you or else I I don't know that I would even be talking to you right now, but if he thinks that you're all right, then maybe. Okay, let's let's go, but quick. Hi, Forrester. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, sorry, what's your name? Ronnie. Thank you. Uh, and with that, Ronnie guides you back into sort of like an antechamber, like a side uh, area. We've described the ar- arborist architecture before as being like both very old, but also very uh, modern. That it's it's like a lot of stone with like silver inlay that sort of winds and weaves through everything uh, in sort of like a part filigree, part circuitry vibes. And I think uh, the chamber that uh, Ronnie leads you into is is sort of a more modest, kind of like more stone, less silver, um, but uh, sort of leads you off into the side and is like, okay, where where did you find that thing? Uh, it was like a, it looked like an abandoned arborist temple in Empyrean. Empyrean? Is that, you guys talking about Spessus, aren't Aren't you from Sarnak? Like, that's that's really far away. How are you even able to, like, maintain a presence there? We're badass slug blasters. There was a lot of strain. Originally, we went to Imperium. We, we thought we were looking for... We, we thought it would be Ezria, but, but there, was, there was a bit of confusion there. We, we, we mixed up which, which dimension we were looking for. and, and but, but we came across this... Yeah, you guys this have, like, diff- different names for everything, right? Like, you, you don't call things what they're called. You have, like, your own confusing thing. Uh, yeah, I guess but it's the one that we're used to listen that's that's part of why we're here is we want to figure out more about Ezria I mean I don't I don't know much I'm I'm kind of a newer recruit honestly like I I just just had my untethering like last week so I, I haven't really been let in on all of the ancient secrets of the multiverse but the one thing I've managed to glean in my time here is that they really don't like you because you're always showing up and fighting them and wrecking stuff and interrupting their rituals and ceremonies Honestly, the, the only reason it's taken me so long to get in is because the first time I tried to go through my untethering ceremony, this guy in the armor and your friend with all the weird glitch came crashing through the door and interrupted it. And we had to reschedule. Oh, <laughs> that's what Doorways was protesting. Yeah, that they're from your place too, right? I, I get mixed up. I'm new to all this. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're big time, whatever dimension you called, Null. Saranac, listen, sure. I could get in a lot of trouble for talking to you guys, so we need to keep this quick. What you've got there is part of the untethering ritual. It's a, it, it's what every arborist goes through when they, they first get adopted into the, into the order. It's, it's how we, sorry, I don't, I don't have the words in your language, but it's, it's how we. It's okay. Um, the lobe globe handles all of that for you. Yeah, but there's nuance. <laughs> I just, okay. You know how you have that bond and that connection to your home plane and the further you get away from it, the more that it strains you, the more that it pulls you. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're going to, you know, walk the multiverse and be one with the energy and, and, and tend to the balance and, and the stability of all things, you can't really be getting yanked back all the time or else, you know, that, that limits your ability to tend to stuff. So we, we have a ritual we do called the untethering where we sever that connection and it allows us to, to move freely between the different planes. You're saying this dagger can, can nullify peelback? Is that what you guys call it? Yeah. Whoa. I don't know how you got your hands on it. I don't know what temple you discovered, but I honestly don't want any part in it. I Like I say, the High Forester's taken some kind of a shine to you guys, so I, I, I trust his judgment, but most people really don't like you, and I don't want to have to explain what I was doing talking to you, so... Do you have other questions, or can we get you out of here before everyone gets back? And you have no idea what what happened with Ezria. It's before my time. As as long as I've known it, it's it's been the way it is now, a, a burned-out husk. That clinches it, Angus. If we want to find in, anything about Ezria, we, we just have to break through that blockade and get into Vastiche ourselves at some point. You guys don't have, like, phones or anything, do you? I don't, I don't know what that means. Damn you it. said a word and it like it it translated most of the sentence, but then there was a word in there that we don't have in our language and it just sounded like nothing. Means of remote communication? I mean, we can move freely through the multiverse, so if we need to talk to someone far away, we kind of just go to them. It, it It's not really a big deal on our end. Okay, well, if you see the High Forester again, then tell him Angus Franklin from Cernak says hi and I want to talk. Uh, okay, I'll pass it along. Thanks. Do you do you need like a cover story before we leave? Do you, do you want one of us to knock you out or something? Not what? if you leave fast enough. They're... Done. And Angus walks out of the room. <laughs> uh, well, uh, just know that Super Jesus loves you. Okay. And follows. <laughs> uh, Nick plucks that lobe globe off of Ronnie and follows suit. <laughs> Beautiful. And with that, I think we rejoin uh, Lake and Elliot, who are uh, just just finishing off the the last little bit of uh, olive oil popsicle stuck to the the bottom of the stick. Uh, as who should come walking up? But your your three friends, Nick, Angus, and Chester. How are the cheesesteaks? Uh, delicious, man. Could go for another, honestly. I was just talking to Lake how we should really focus on being weird gravity. You know, like working as a team, trusting each other with stuff, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, gang. Sorry, I, I can I can ease up on on the Miper stuff. I I shouldn't have pushed it so hard, and it didn't have the reaction I wanted it to have with my mom. So uh, Angus, I know we had the whole talk last time about you know get into it or don't. But I'm Elliot's Elliot's really helped me see the error of my ways. And if this is what the team really wants, I can call Tristan Voss after this run and tell her it's no more, and our interactions with Miper will be done. If that's what the team really wants. 
There weren't any cheesesteaks! It was all a sham! We didn't go for cheesesteaks! We went to go find more secret information! There was a whole dagger! We found the dagger about the M-tethering ceremony in the Arborist Temple on a period! We did that because we were looking into the, the information that was on my dad's laptop! He was investigating Miper! We think Miper's behind everything! They may have turned Vestige, what was also known to typically within the Ar Arborist canon as Ezria, from a grass green landscape into a horrible desert wasteland! We think Miper might be behind, behind it! They might be doing something else even to know! Who knows where they're, where they're getting the resources, how they've perfected all of the science of everything! <laughs> Now, okay, now it's time to break. I lied so many times. I keep lying. Okay. I said I would stop abounding you, but I'm just doing it in different ways. Take a breath. Take several breaths. <laughs> I, Ch Chester comes and uh, uh, holds you in his arms. Like, I'm sorry. I just. I thought that if we kept close to Miper, we could find out more about what they were doing, and I just... I don't know. So you didn't get cheesesteaks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I assume we proceed to get all of our uh, ducks in a row and explain Yeah, I was going to say, I think after yeah. taking a few breaths, Nick then reiterates all of this slower and in more detail and leaves room for like to ask questions and you go through it all in detail uh you guys go through this conversation and i think it takes you from Thenispar through the entire time that you're in desnine um i think you guys have fancy new uh like you already had breath masks but now you have like fancy miper breath masks that allow you to like you've got uh calm systems so you're just sort of like drifting through the endless ocean Maybe you see the silhouette of a of a pair of six tentacled creatures oh. way off in the distance, and you sort of give them a little wave, and one of their tentacles waves back <laughs> um, as you guys slowly talk through this. Um, and yeah, you're getting close to the portal zone as this conversation finishes, and like we cut now to the point where you are you are up to speed on all of the all of the mysteries here. Um, you know the the little lies like the cheesecake or the cheesesteak rather is a little discouraging. You know, like I said to Elliot, I, I just don't want us to lie to each other, but I, I think in the end, you I, thank you for telling me just now, and um, I, I think we can use our relationship with Miper to, to help you get the answers you're looking for. Let's let's use this to our advantage. Also, in the future, if y'all want to investigate a thing, just say that's what you're doing. We got your back. Yeah, the, if out of all of this, the, the cheesesteak lies kind of the part that stings the most. Yeah, I was really hoping for a cheesesteak, frankly. <laughs> um, you almost died <sighs> last time, dude. Yeah, but now I'm ready for it, you know what I mean? It's um, an acquired taste. Like, I'm sorry. No, I, I understand. I, I, I'm sorry I was coming on so strong and not making it, it a space for, for you to, to be, be able to feel like we could be honest. Um, if it makes you feel any better, when we go through Thenispar on the way back, I will actually eat one of those cheesesteaks. <laughs> and with that, we cross the dimensional barrier and head into the plain of Quahalia. Hey 
everybody, it's your Slugmaster here, just cutting in to thank you so much for listening to the show. Your support means the world to us. And if you're looking for more ways to support the show, leave us a nice rating or review on your podcatcher of choice, or recommend us to someone who you think would enjoy what we do. Uh, we're coming up on our season one finale, so now is a perfect time for new listeners to jump on. They'll be able to listen to the entire season start to finish. Uh, we are at Quantum Kickflip on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow us for new episode updates, memes, audiograms, and more. Uh, you can also subscribe to us on Patreon, where for just five bucks a month, you can get early access to every new episode of Quantum Kickflip, as well as bi-weekly bonus content like interviews, outtakes, and Chester's Groove Station. I'd also like to thank our sponsors at the Alberta Media Arts Alliance Society, whose goal is to advocate, educate, and celebrate the media arts in Alberta. Check them out at amaas.ca. And finally, we are proud members of the Alberta Podcast Network, who have just a ton of amazing locally made shows over at albertapodcastnetwork.com. We release Quantum Kickflip bi-weekly, so you can catch the next chapter of this adventure on Wednesday, May 25th, and the conclusion on June 8th, and then our multi-part season finale is scheduled to begin on June 22nd. And we're planning some very fun bonus episodes for the weeks immediately following the finale, so even though we're going to take a little time off to prep season two, there should still be brand new QK every two weeks, just like always. Uh, anyway, we're going to get you right back to the action here, but first, I'm going to throw it over to Dexter for some words from our sponsors. Hey everybody, it's me, your pal, Dexter, here to just give you a few quick words from our sponsors. This episode of Quantum Kickflip was brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Life as a business owner can be hectic, to say the least. Alberta Blue Cross understands that, and they offer flexible health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Even better, you can let your staff enroll and manage their coverage at any time on any device. That makes life easier for them and for you. You got this when it comes to group coverage for your small business, and Alberta Blue Cross has got your back. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. That's ab.bluecross.ca. Now, as someone who's broken just about every bone that you could possibly break, I can tell you that medical coverage is no joke. That stuff's serious. So this uh, Alberta Blue Cross is something you should definitely look into if you're a business owner. And I can speak from experience here. I got a plate in my head. I got pins in my wrists. One of my, one of my ribs is just broken now. It just stays broken. The doctors say they don't know what's going on. Anyway... This episode was also brought to you by TELUS Story Hive. Calling all new and emerging creators in BC and Alberta, TELUS Story Hive's all-access documentary edition is funding 40 creators with $20,000 each in production funding, mentorship, training, and distribution on TELUS Optic TV. Pitch any documentary idea that you're passionate about, and you could be in the running to join the Story Hive community. Apply by May 30th at storyhive.com apply. That's storyhive.com apply. Uh, that sounds wonderful. I, I would kill to make a documentary. That sounds so interesting. I would, oh, if I could make a documentary about anything, I would make one about mollusks. I bet that'd be fascinating. I feel like there's a lot of, a lot of really interesting and unexpected facts about mollusks. I don't know any of them. I don't even know if there are any, but just like, they seem like the kind of thing that's more interesting than they, than they would appear at first glance. You know, I bet there's a bunch of wild stuff that I don't even know about mollusks. Someone should make that documentary. Anyway, let's get you folks back to the action. Across the dimensional divide, you enter into a void. It's not a white expanse or a dark vacuum, it somehow lacks either of these qualities. There is an absence of light, but also an absence of absence of light. There is no color, and there are all colors. As your momentum carries you forward, you can see an after image of yourself stretching back to your point of entry, 
a long smudge made up of an infinite number of instances, every slight motion you've made and are making and will make. Your image bleeds outward like a watercolor painting that hasn't had time to dry, and you, you all lose yourselves in the kaleidoscopic pool of overlapping quantum essence. You worry that you might never be able to find your way back out. But then you all hear a sharp ping as your logic binders calibrate, and in an instant, you're somewhere else entirely. So the five of you find yourselves in, in a dark, open expanse. The ground under your feet feels uneven. Um, and as you begin to sort of, your eyes adjust and you get your bearings, you realize that it's, it's made up of like garbage, uh, but each piece of garbage is gigantic. Like there are enormous candy wrappers and empty soda cans and crumpled up pieces of paper that are, that are like as big or bigger than you. Uh, there are mountains of this stuff all around you. And the, the more you look around, the more you begin to notice like specific details and you see in amongst it Ramona Nova CDs and a big pile of tangled up fabric that looks a lot like your hasware that you guys got. You, you see on some of the papers, there's like written in half finished songs and homework that's been scribbled out. Uh, you see a tangle of broken guitar strings roll by like a tumbleweed. Um, and high up in the sky, you can see a single point of light that you all feel somewhat drawn towards. Um, and you realize that you are inside of Elliot's Voidware backpack, but not... Some of you have literally been inside Elliot's Voidware backpack before. You've hidden in there from rescue agents, and it didn't feel like, like you weren't tiny in relation to it, and there wasn't this much stuff, and it wasn't arranged in like a mountain range like it is here. But nonetheless, you, you recognize the surroundings as like less literally inside it and more you are inside the idea of the voidware backpack. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Is that Ramona Nova's eponymous debut album? Yeah. I thought you had major beef with her. What what? What is that still doing here? Yeah, it also sold ten million copies. So like every every teenage girl has a copy, lover or hater. <laughs> I've got two and I never want to listen to him again. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Elliot probably had one prior to Multipalooza. Uh, and much like a lot of your surroundings, it's the sort of thing that she maybe shoved away somewhere and never really wanted to think about or, or confront again. But but here it is, rendered in, in gigantic form in your in the landscape around you. Is this the friendship bracelet that I made you and that you said you lost? <laughs> uh... It's okay. I'm, I know we're friends, Elliot. I'm just giving you a hard time. Uh, and I don't know, how big is a friendship bracelet in relation to me? Uh, it's like a sash, let's say. Like it, like if you were uh, wearing a, a Miss Hillview sash. Sweet. Yeah, I think she wears it. I think she wears it like a, like a mare sash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like beautiful and ornately like woven together, but also like you chose some pretty wild colors. I think Lake's idea of like colors that go together is maybe a little skewed compared to other people all of them with all of them I, exactly yeah um. and so it's the kind of thing that elliot probably really appreciated the gesture but also was like this doesn't go with anything like i can't wear this with my nirvana shirt that's not gonna it's not gonna work i mean most of this is stuff i forgot about or stuff i don't need anymore i i don't i didn't know it had its own corner of the backpack you know and I think you would know that it it doesn't literally um, that uh, that this seems to be some sort of an abstraction. 
Well, if most of this stuff seems like old discarded things in your bag, maybe if we start looking for, for landmarks of, of things you used more recently or or stuff you bring out of your bag all the time? Maybe, maybe that pinhole that we see that, that, I don't know about you guys, I, I feel rather drawn to. Maybe that's <laughs> like a hole in your bag. Like maybe this is, maybe we're on the other ha- end of the liner. I mean, uh, it is a nylon cinch, so it could just be the top. That too. <laughs> Wait, well then, if it's the top, can can I put my hand in your bag? Uh, sure. Uh, Robin, what happens uh, if Lake puts her hand into Elliot's bag? Uh, oh, I love... <laughs> yeah, um, I think, yeah, you see a gigantic hand, uh, much like the one that you saw in that unknown dimension that you accessed one time, uh, only this one is not, uh, I guess... I was gonna say it's not wild colors, but which hand are you reaching in? I think she, I think she goes to put her left hand in, and then is like, mm, in case something happens, maybe I'll put in my hand that's already fucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then yeah, you see a giant glitching Technicolor hand uh, appear in that in that point of light, and and slowly reach downwards. Sweet. I think Lake sees this. Um, d- you know, wiggles her finger. Does these three actions in a row? Wiggles her fingers, sees this thing wiggle. Mm-hmm. Does a middle finger, not the ability, an actual middle finger. Yeah, just mm. to get a kick out of everybody. Hey. <laughs> uh, and then I want to, I want to snap. Oh, <laughs> yeah! I think it's just like deafeningly loud. <laughs> like I think it's, it's booming <laughs> in here. Uh, oh boy. Yeah, it's it's not a challenge run or anything, but it's too good of an offer, and Slug Blaster does give me GM tokens on a regular run as well. You snap, this reverberates around the space, and then I think you begin to hear, like, as as you, it dies down and you sort of get your hearing back, and maybe everyone, like, doubles over and clenches their hands there, and like, ah, goddammit, like, why would you do that? And then... <laughs> You, you all realize that, like, even though the snap is over, you still hear, like, an echo or a rumble. Uh, and you all kind of look up behind you to one of these giant mounds of, of garbage. And I think that triggered an avalanche. <laughs> <laughs> and there is now a, a rolling and rumbling wall of various refuse coming straight towards you. Okay, uh, so I want to offer right off the start, um, Mm -hmm. uh, as this thing is about to uh, topple down on us, uh, I I, like quickly go into my uh, computer and I'm, you know, uh, 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 main menu, uh, defense, and and I try to go through it as quickly as I can to activate the uh, force field generator. And hmm. normally that uh, that avoids a slam or protect an, an, a nearby teammate by uh, from a slam by marking one boost. Now, I want to try to protect everyone, so I don't know what that is. Is that marking two boost and rolling, or one boost and bo- uh, rolling? What, what do you think it would be? Let's say. Uh... The ability involves marking a boost, so let's mark that boost. And then I mm-hmm. think to attempt to sort of protect everyone, let's get a roll for that. Okay, uh, I'm going to uh, add an extra die then. Uh, see what 2d6 do. Uh, I roll, the best one is a four. Beautiful, mixed success. So 
you are able to do what you're doing. You're able to sort of cast this force field over everyone. But I think this armor is still new to you, and you're still figuring out like where it projects from and how to work it. Mm-hmm. And so maybe what happens here is you're able to protect everyone except for you, which feels very Chester, that like um, you're trying to get everyone enclosed in the force field, and in projecting it, you realize that, like, oh, wait, I'm on the wrong side of it here because I don't know where it comes out of. Um, and so you're going to take a slam for this, but everyone else is safe. So, so I, what does it look like to them in the bubble? Is, is, is it just like, oh, there's a, like a, uh, a dome above them with the uh, garbage on top of it? Yeah, and I think you can tell me what your force field looks like, but I think it's sort of like this trash avalanche is coming down <laughs> and they're, they're protected underneath this energy dome, whereas you get sort of slammed up against it. So it's the thing where you're like pressed up against the glass kind of thing. Um, as On the outside. As you from behind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go with pummeled for a slam unless you want to know it. You're not going to say trashed? <laughs> oh, trashed is good. <laughs> my uh, mistake. It's trashed. I would like to mark one boost and try to use my causality hoop to protect Chester from this slam. Oh, beautiful. Mark one boost. You can roll to skip back in time a few seconds to retry an action or warn someone of a slam. They avoid for free. Uh, I will add a die from my skip modes. Uh, so I'll roll with 2d6. Uh, and then I also marked a boost so that I can do it. I rolled a five. So that's a mixed success, um, which means there still needs to be a complication. But I think the successful nature of that is you are able to skip back in time and warn Chester. I think you just sort of, you watched him project this force field and and how he sort of ended up on the wrong side of it. You skip back a few seconds and are able to sort of reposition him and get him inside the bubble at the last second. Uh, Successfully avoiding the slam, you're all in here together. Um, I think the complication here is literally just that, like, you are now trapped inside this bubble underneath a layer of garbage and need to figure out how you're going to get out of here without getting crushed. Because um, once Chester drops that force field, you're underneath a layer of trash now. Well, we're not going to actually give you a slam above, but you're all temporarily uh, incapacitated here in that you're all buried. Um, <laughs> how, how does my backpack work now? Like, for my purposes. We will find out, but assume you can use it as normal here, um, in that, like, if there's an ability you want to use, you have access to those abilities. Okay. (laughs) Well, if uh, Lake was able to move her hand inside and and interact with us, what happens if uh, somebody else reaches their hand out and, like, grabs the bubble and pulls us out? I guess I can try that. Yeah, Elliot, you have the best sort of sense of what's going on in your own multidimensional bag. Maybe you should give it a shot. Uh, I, I've done enough damage. I caused an avalanche once already. I'm not doing that again. All right. So, yeah, I will uh, take a die from the backpack. Mm-hmm. And I always roll with a plus one die. So I will be rolling three dice. <laughs> I like that you're rolling to reach into your backpack and pull out us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, It's a very specific item. Yeah. That's a six. And I rolled doubles. Ah, perfect. Mark your style for that. Hey. So that's a complete success. So uh, I guess it it would look similar to to Lake earlier. Lake has since retracted her hand from your bag, obviously. Um, I think to you, maybe it's a little bit of a tricky maneuver here because you can't... um, I don't think you can see out from the force field. And I think it's too dark in here to really see into your bag either because you're kind of 
encased in this garbage. So it's a little bit fumbly. You're almost like having to feel around your bag. Oh, could that be the style, actually? The style is she reaches in and, and in one go finds us. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like that. It would Luck take a lot of, of fumbling. Um, but yeah, stylishly be rolling those doubles. You reach directly in and find it perfectly because it's your voidware backpack and you know it inside and out, whether you're inside of it or outside of it. <laughs> um, and with Chester's offer of having encased you in a productive dome, there's no risk of you you know, crushing all your friends between your thumb and forefinger, you're able to just sort of pluck it out. Uh, as the the little orb is being lifted up, Nick looks out and goes, hand! <laughs> <laughs> yes! We got there! We did it! Robin, mm-hmm. I, I was wondering, as uh, we are being plucked out and you're seeing all this mess and it's all of this stuff that uh, belongs to uh, Elliot, uh, yes. I was wondering... Uh, if I could utilize my receptive ability and mm-hmm. see if I can pick out something that gives me information about Elliot that I did not know before. Oh. Spy. Is there anything Spy. in particular you're looking for? Not not necessarily. I was wondering if I could just pick out something like, oh, that's a that's a, a strange little tidbit, or like I wouldn't expect that to be in with Elliot's stuff. I love I that. want some hot think... goss. I want some hot, hot goss. <laughs> I think you absolutely can. I think that's the the perfect use of your receptive ability is to notice some seemingly insignificant small detail that that may have more significance. Uh may or may not. Um, but I don't think I can answer what it is. I think Elliot needs to to tell us what it is that Chester sees as you're being lifted out here. Mm-hmm. As we're getting lifted up by Elliot's hand, you know, it's got, like, you can see Elliot's hand really well. It's got some chipped black nail polish, and she's got, like, a leather wristband, and she's got this tough girl exterior. <laughs> um, but as you're getting lifted up, you do see a girl guide badge in and amongst the debris. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, a participation badge. It's not even a merit badge <laughs> for tying knots. Huh. <laughs> and if you had to guess, you probably think that Elliot would not be super proud of being in the Girl Guides and in a little organization where you have to follow the rules all the time. <laughs> uh, and with that, I think you feel sort of the the light begin to overtake as you're as you're like pulled up to the opening of the backpack uh this light sort of becomes blinding and overtakes everything and you're going to be lifted out into a new space but as you're sort of on the cusp of that in this space between spaces we see a scene play out scene play out i think everyone sort of experiences it from the same perspective uh but you don't feel like you have any control over this you're not you're not in this space you're you're almost witnessing a memory and what you see here it's dark at first um but then then you remove your hands from your eyes and in front of you on your kitchen table elliot you see uh a package that is wrapped pretty crudely in wrapping paper it's it's a weird shaped package so it's 
clearly like fully wrapped and meant to obscure what's inside of it, uh, but it's it's shaped exactly like a guitar. <laughs> and this is in fact your very first guitar. Um, and you look up beyond it to uh, to your dad, who's standing there, beaming, looking down at you uh, expectantly, uh, as though he can't wait for you to to open it up and be surprised by the contents. <laughs> Hey there, kiddo. Uh, why don't you uh, go and open it? I, 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 I bet you don't know what it is. Okay, Dad. Go ahead. Uh, open it up. Open it up. Go for it. And she tears into the wrapping paper. How old would Elliot be at this point? I think she's like 10. As you pull the paper away, like you could, you could tell what was inside, and I think you've probably been been hinting that this is a thing that you've wanted for a while but you uh you open it up here and it's it's an acoustic uh it's not in a case it's he's wrapped it directly like i think he's scotch taped (laughs) paper to uh the uh to the body of the guitar itself but it's nice it's like really nice you're 10 so you maybe don't have a sense of like what a nice guitar is but you've seen your some of your friends have like the ones that you would buy at a department store that are like partially made out of plastic and are like technically an instrument but mostly a toy uh that like the intonation is garbage and you can't really play them like a proper instrument uh and this one looks really nice it's it's got a a dark rosewood fretboard and um it's got like a sunburst pattern on the on the body of the guitar uh and it's got the the fender logo on the headstock um if you, if you were to check the back, it would say made in America. It's a very nice, uh, much nicer guitar than you would normally buy for a 10-year-old's first instrument. What do you think, kid? Thanks, Dad. Oh, you're the best. She gives him a big hug. Ah, thanks, kiddo. I, you know, I, I was, uh, I was in there talking with the person from the, uh, um, music store, and they just said, I, I, I went in there and I said, hey, uh, can you tell me what a, a, a serious musician would have? And they're like, well, what kind of guitar are you looking for? I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, you tell me what's good, and, I'll, and I want to get it. And uh, they gave me a few options. I'm like, you know what? Go with that one. That looks like quality is what I said. Um, Especially because uh, I didn't know what Rosewood was, but I'm like, that sounds fancy to me. And uh, let me get one of those, is what I said to them. And I think as your dad is rambling on here, uh, you're, you're beaming up at him. And your eyes wander over to, uh, he's got like a, a workstation in the corner of the room. I think his place is pretty small, but he's got a sort of desk in the corner where he does a lot of his work. Um, and there's the usual, you know, piles of papers, pretty messy and disorganized. But you notice there's a spot in the corner where there's like, there's almost like a difference in coloration where there, you know, the, the rest of the desk has has a layer of dust that this one corner doesn't have. And you realize what's missing is is your dad's antique typewriter that he's had on his desk for as long as you can remember. So what do you think, kiddo? Uh, are you going to be the next uh, uh, Joan Jet with that though on there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dad, did you... Did you sell your typewriter? Uh... Well, you know that old thing. Uh, you, I, I've been, uh... I didn't... I didn't need it anymore. I, I was like, hey! 
If I'm gonna write a book, I don't need a typewriter. I could just write with my hand with a pen. You know, I don't need that that old thing. Uh, I mean, of course, you know that I've been stuck on, on writing a book. <laughs> anyway, uh, I could never figure out uh, how to really plan a book. Dad. Uh, so I, you know, it doesn't da- matter. Dad. Hmm? Dad. Yeah. I'm gonna write you so many songs that you won't even think about books. Okay. Oh, kid, that would be great. That's the only thing I would want to hear. And he picks you up in his arms, and he spins you around in the air like you love to do. Uh, And then he pulls (laughs) you in close. And then the light overtakes it, and you're somewhere else. Five of you suddenly find yourselves in yet another familiar space. There's sort of aquamarine uh, tile underneath you, and it's a little bit damp. Uh, There's high ceilings, and you can see the sort of ductwork up above. Uh, And in front of you, you see just a big, open expanse of water. And you realize that you're in the Hillview Community Rec Center at the swimming pool, where Lake Marsden is a junior lifeguard. Oh, hey, 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 no running, no running. Oh, sorry, that force a habit. I think it's or... only you five in here. You don't uh, you don't see anyone else. You've got Yeah, the I was saying that to, to, to Angus. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> Before he's even moved a muscle, knows he's going to try. <laughs> <laughs> so don't do a cannonball into the water, is what you're saying? Uh, just in the deep end, you know, make sure you go feet, feet first. I, look, I... Obviously, this isn't the community swimming pool. Uh, I think she, she, you know, goes two for two and is going to reach and put her hand down in the pool water to see if it comes through the roof. <laughs> uh, obviously, it doesn't, or maybe it, it does. It does uh, not. But what is the water like? Uh, feels like normal pool water. It's a, it's a good temperature. I think you're, you're, uh, you would know being a junior lifeguard. I don't know that it's got a super chlorine smell, because um, I feel like that's something mm-hmm. that develops over time, and I think this is uh, relatively fresh, clean pool water. But I think as you reach down to the water, you do notice that, like, at the very deepest point in the deep end, you see a similar sort of shimmering, glowing light, not on the surface of the water, but down in the depths, uh, that reminds you of the one that you saw in Elliot's Voidware backpack a moment ago. And once again, you feel that same sort of pull towards it that you are you are drawn to this uh, glow beneath the surface of the water. This is so wild. I, I figured that the last sort of vision we were seeing was Quahalia interacting with Elliot's bag because she has it with her, but you know, Lake, you certainly don't have a pool in your pocket, do you? No, but I, I maybe the logic binders, you know, like like we felt them calibrate from the 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 weird white void and and maybe it's it how it binds the logic is showing us something we're familiar with you know instead of just insanity so intriguing i feel like i need to come back here with my manga collection sometime (laughs) (laughs) i think you all kind of hear echoes of dexter talking about how like ideas and concepts and memories are are no different than matter matter and energy here it's all all reality and uh, it's all one and the same. I was going to say, like, 
uh, metaphorical echoes. Um, but being that you're in Quahalia, maybe they're literal echoes. Maybe you actually hear <laughs> I dropped my textbook and then I was right there. Louis Riel. Riel. <laughs> we all think of it and like the words go fly like kinetic typography over the pool. <laughs> the water um, ripples. <laughs> um, I guess then that begs the question um, before before we go for a swim. Do we want to look at the picture and is Lake hip to this idea? Like she got caught up to speed. She knows that we're here to like look at this picture in Quahalia to see if we can get a, a taste of its history. The one of Graham. I think I'll answer that before any of you can. Um, I think if you try Chester, you can't find it on your person. Uh, oh, and no, you I know you brought it with you. It's not something where you just like spaced and left it on the counter at home or anything. Um, you know, no, you I had it in Thanis Spar. You know, you've been keeping very good care of it because it's the only copy of this picture, as far as you know. Um, but you don't have it with you here in this pool. Well, maybe, I mean, if it's all about ideas, maybe Chester, as we as we move through this next this next shimmering hole at the at the deep end of the pool, th- think really hard about your picture. Okay. Elliot, what? Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm fine. Okay. That just felt, uh, I don't know, uh, really personal, I guess. And... <laughs> yeah, um, but I guess if anyone was going to see it, it makes sense that it was all of you. Angus puts a hand on her shoulder, mm-hmm. gives it a little squeeze. Oh. Right, sorry, Elliot, I was just so thrown to see the pool, I forgot we just witnessed a, a, a tender, treasured memory. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Well, buckle up, Lake, looks like you're next. Well, um, I mean, I'm pretty sure I can dive dive down that deep, but uh, I don't know if you guys have done your breath training. Anyone have a shortcut? I, I mean, I'm probably fine in my suit here. Uh, I think it can create a seal pretty good. Um, well, you could swim. Maybe you can help uh, someone get down there. Um, I think I'm going to use. I think Lake's gonna be like, why don't I? Why don't I save us the trip? And is going to use the concept inverter, mm-hmm. targeting the whole pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is currently full. Yeah, I would like it to be empty, <laughs> and we can walk down there. Yeah, let's let's get a roll for that. <laughs> You're never going to use your swimming ability. <laughs> <laughs> oh right! Oh geez! Uh, <laughs> I literally put you in a pool. I thought. <laughs> But no, Shit, no, no, no. Blast it with your fancy well, gun. <laughs> she's like, I can swim. I just said it. She could swim down there, no problem. She's not confident everybody else could. So she's solving the problem. Uh, I'm going to do a uh, turbo. I'm going to add a dice, add a die to make dice. And I'm going to take one from the hype die so I can fill it later. I'm going to take a hype die. So I'm going to roll three. Away we go. Five was the highest of the lot. Mixed success. I think we're going to keep it simple here. We're going to say that you, uh, you, you've you lowered the volume of water in the pool by about half. Um, so the mm-hmm. shallow end is now dry ground and the deep end is now the shallow end, basically. That like It's going to still be like a, a short dive, but it's not the, you know, where you would be jumping off the Olympic diving board kind of thing. Not that Hillview has an Olympic diving sure, board. Sure, the, the concept inverter didn't go all the way. It's it's It really doesn't know if it's pessimistic or optimism. It's kind of half full, half empty. Yes. It didn't really do either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, well, well, gang. Uh, is everybody good to swim down there? Cannonball! 
No, it's too shallow. Angus has a cannonball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you do kind of like you you hurt your butt a little bit. Like you you dive in where you think it's gonna be deep enough, but you like bottom out just slightly and it's like, ow, worth it. <laughs> uh yeah, does everyone follow suit here? Uh, Nick climbs down a ladder. <laughs> yeah, Elliot will also climb down a ladder. Uh yeah, I hop down into the it, from up top and you know, land softly with my with my armor. Yeah, obviously, Lake's gonna go. Are you are you cannonballing? Are you strolling in? Are you oh uh, down the ladder? Safety. I mean, don't. We're not diving into shallow water. That's absurd. That's <laughs> lifeguard one hundred and one. All of you. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, yeah, so you climb down the ladder. I think maybe the ladder doesn't quite go all the way. So there's like a short hop because you've now lowered the the pool to the point that like oh the ladder would have gone under the surface, but now you gotta like hop down a little bit. And I think in doing so, you're you're briefly uh, submerged in the water. And as you come back up and break the surface, uh, everyone else sees lake resurface and immediately you notice that that something is different here. Her glitch has washed away. That when she comes back up here, she, she looks like, presumably like she did before any of you knew her red-haired girl with a side ponytail. A wet side ponytail wet side ponytail currently. Uh, and some freckles and, uh, and, and a symmetrical um, unglitched form. And this is this is Nick, or sorry, uh, uh, Lake resurfaces and, and notices this about her. I think you, you notice everyone else's reactions first, like you see everyone kind of staring mm. at you, which causes you to sort of look down at your hands. Yeah. And they both look the Whoa. same. And that's when you notice that the water around you has sort of taken on your glitch and it's sort of spreading out through the water. L- Lake, are you okay? I, yeah, I, I feel fine, but Ellie kind of like pats at the water where the glitch is like floating. Yeah. I think as you sort of pat at it, 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 uh, it sort of sends a wave and spreads this out even more. And it was just sort of like, like if you were, you know, covered in mud or paint and dived into water. It was sort of like floating yeah, in a absolutely. cloud around you. But as as you watch here, it begins to spread faster and faster uh, until it's overtaking most of the water. Is the glitch penetrating like down as well, or is it kind of like Mario Sunshine style, where it's just goop on the top? Oh, it's it's mm. transforming the entirety of the water. Gang, I I feel fine. I I think we should maybe get get to the the. That shimmer at the bottom of the pool before it's too late. I mean, if I come out the other side of it glitch-free, then then good for me. And if not, it's just an illusion of Quahalia. Um, uh, she's trying to keep a cool voice about it, but she's just a bit of a quiver in her voice. I think you glance over to that light, and and you can briefly see it, but it's it's very quickly obscured by the glitch taking over. Uh, and as you watch, it's it's not just spreading through the water. The water itself begins to sort of move and shift. Each of you is sort of tossed out of it violently as this uh, this liquid form rises up and sort of takes on arms and legs uh, and becomes this gigantic liquid creature standing in the pool. Um, and it sort of lets out a roar, but the roar is like like modem noises and static, uh, like you would hear on an old dial-up connection. <laughs> And the, the five of you are all standing in the now uh, dry, empty bottom of the pool. Uh, and you see this thing standing directly between you. 
and the glow. Uh, Lake back, backs up a little bit and, and looks terrified. Uh, Nick takes the mechanical pencil from behind his ear, clicks it open into the Negatana, uh, and is in a ready stance and, and, and just asks, uh, can, can anyone get me a boost up to it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, and I, I go up behind uh, Nick and get ready to like toss him up if he wants to go. Yeah, I think if you wanna if you wanna chuck him, that would be a prime use of your. Uh, Once again, the heavy duty. Uh, the heavy duty servos. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, so it would be a roll to sort of throw him uh, and see if you can hit your target. Okay, I'm gonna use uh, one die from my my armor. Uh, I roll a five. Success. I think your complication will be forthcoming here. Let's start with the successful part. Paint a picture for me here. How do you chuck Nick at this thing? Uh, I, I do uh, that thing where I kind of like kind of crouch down a little bit, lace my fingers together. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. And, and so uh, allowing Nick to kind of like step up on my hands, and then I like you know hoit. Up over my head and allowing Nick to uh, jump through the air, uh, like it's a like it's a super tram trampoline kind of a thing. Uh, I love that. And Nick, yeah, you you're uh, the the successful part of this role is that Chester is directly on target. Uh, his aim is true. Uh, you are hurled directly at this thing. As I said, there's a complication forthcoming here, uh, but I think before we can get to it, we need to resolve. Like the next thing that happens is that Nick does whatever he was about to do here. So. Tell us what that is, and then we'll find the complication when it comes. Uh, so in this, its big form, is it, like, has it solidified, or is it still, like, liquid? It's still like, liquid. If I were to hit this thing, would I, would I, I'd go inside it? Uh, you don't know. I don't think you know that, but okay. you probably suspect it in that it's, like, a big, wobbly, wavery, liquidy form. Okay, then, yeah, I think that's following his intuition. He's just going to hope that he can, like, dive bomb sort of straight into it. <laughs> to, uh, uh, my hope is to attack from the inside. Oh, beautiful. Uh, then, yeah, I think having taken that step on, on the hands and then Chester launching Nick up through the air, uh, he's got his negaton at the ready, and he kind of uses it almost pointed forward to, to pierce through the surface tension on this, this figure and, and get into the middle of it. And uh, I, I want to roll to try and do a big, big old slash with a sword. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get that roll, and then we'll describe what that looks like. Totally. Die for my boost pool. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, as well as a kick. So, I uh, know it is early in the thing. I'm also going to take a dare. So, I will mark one trouble. And because a double dare, that'll get me 2d6. So, I'm rolling 4d6 with a kick. Woo! Uh, with those 4d6, I got a 6. Beautiful. I think, yeah, your sword comes down. And being that it is mega uh, friction powered, uh, where, where rather than getting uh, slower and hotter, things get faster and cooler. As it cuts through the water, it all, it freezes the surface that you then go crashing through um, and, and sort of shards of, of solidified glitch go flying as you explode into the inside of this thing. And Nick will we'll shout out from the middle of it. Negatana, second form splice, momentum world bisection. <laughs> and that's uh, that's the big one. That's like a spin attack from the inside of it. Yeah, yo, you carve a, a full arc of this thing, and I think yeah, it, it, it cleaves it, 
clean in half. Um, I think this is where we're gonna, where we're gonna get a, a complication for Chester's previous roll, that the, the top half of this thing sort of comes toppling forward and crashing down, and I think just by nature of where Chester had to be to launch you here, Chester takes the front of it, and he's gonna get a, um, help me think of a better name for a slam than waterboarded. <laughs> <laughs> well, what if, what if, cause he is, help, can I nope it for him? Oh, sure. Yeah. Saves you the waterboard. <laughs> Maybe as he's submerged, she, her lifeguard uh, instincts kick in and just like, sw- you know, r- swims him out like he's drowning, but we're all upright and in waist high water. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, this this liquid form comes crashing down on him. He may have gotten like dragged down and and uh, submerged inside of it, uh, but you spring into action and pull him out in the nick of time. Uh, I love that. Mark your trouble for that. Done and done. Oh, thanks, thanks, Lake. No problem, Chester. So Nick has taken a, a big chunk out of this thing, um, basically split it in two. Uh, I think it's it's maybe taking a moment to try and regroup. There is a path you can see that glow at the sort of lowest point of the pool. Um, it's it's not a, a clear path. There's still two half-sized glitch monsters in here, um, but you can see your target again. Nick has sort of uh, uh, created a path for you here. So I have a dumb idea. Yeah. The best ideas. Uh, remember in Empyrean when Elliot caught some seagulls in her bag? <laughs> <laughs> I am just now remembering this. I wish I'd remembered it a moment ago when you were inside her bag, but yes. It's a big bag. <laughs> uh, it's a big bag, exactly. They were uh, Somewhere in there are nested uh, three, and, and we should be clear, not seagulls like we have here on Null. But uh, sea eagles, as in flying fish, uh, fish with wings. <laughs> yeah, and uh, since it's only been a little while since Empyrean, and there's all sorts of snacks in the bag, they're just fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, like, I don't know what this is gonna do other than maybe just cause a mess. But she's going to release the seagulls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I love this offer. You can absolutely do this. Like like you've definitely planted the seed for this, and you're gonna get these seagulls one way or another. Um, but I want to. I, I it still feels disingenuous to not roll. I think I need to know how well this goes for you. Um, so roll. Tell me what you're adding. Let's get that number, and then and then we'll play it out. Take take from the hype die and look cool about it. Sure. Yeah. Look cool about it. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> sure, let's let's try and look cool and I'll I'll take a hype die, why not? Yes. So I'm rolling three D6. Uh four, and I roll doubles. There you go. Mark <laughs> style for both looking cool and doubles, I guess. Um, you look it's extra so cool. cool. <laughs> Elliot is is overcome with a sense of purpose here as it all clicks into place and you realize that that you've you've had the answer all this time. Uh and I think you uh rush up to the the nearest one of these glitch monsters open your bag uh and you release these uh flying fish directly into it which perfect distraction play this this thing now has fish swimming inside of it and and could not be bothered by trying to stand between you and the and the portal out of here because it's it's full of fish now. Let's <laughs> um, try to deal with that situation. Um, so you see it just kind of go stumbling off as as these seagulls sort of like splash up and out of it and back down like they're salmon fighting their way upstream. Uh, and this thing sort of like clutches at where its head would be. 
Unfortunately, I think you're only able to sort of target one of these and that's where your complication is gonna come from. I think you, mm -hmm. uh, as you attack one, the other sees it happening and lashes out at you. And we're gonna give you, I'm so bad at thinking slam names. What's, uh... It's okay, I'm gonna nope it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nope. So this thing sort of reaches up one one watery appendage and sort of lashes out and like basically tries to, to fire hose you with its own uh, substance, but you're gonna nope it. Uh-huh. Um, I just step out of the way, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Effortlessly cool Very as always, cool. Elliot, you know, no no dodge and duck and roll, no no uh, slick maneuver, just kind of sidesteps and this thing uh, fires its shot, it was shot wide. Uh, mark your trouble, you've successfully avoided your slam. I think at this point you guys have have done enough to sort of damage and distract this thing that you you all see your opening. Um, and I want to get one more roll here to see can we get all of weird gravity through through to the other side here. You all see the glow in the distance. You all kind of share a look, um, and you realize that now's the moment to act. Yeah, uh, I think when all of this started. Angus instinctively pulled out his negare and has kind of been pointing it at the glitch. But as this, like, battle's been going on, he's, like, kind of has this, like, weird, thoughtful look on his face. And at one point, he's, like, next to Lake, and he looks at her, he's like, this isn't, like, something that you, like, fight with positive thoughts, is it? Is this what you think of your glitch? I, I've always had a complicated relationship with it. You know, I'm, I'm obviously it's a permanent disfigurement that I wish didn't happen to me, but it's also brought me a lot of attention and really kind of helped me come out of my shell in puberty. But uh, <laughs> um, is it complicated enough that you feel bad about us shooting it? Oh, not at all. I, give him hell, pal. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and I think Angus is going to, you know what he's going to do? Uh, he's just gonna walk up to the one that doesn't have seagulls thrashing around in it, and action movie style walking up, holding his blaster out, and just firing over and over and over and over again, and I'm gonna use my middle finger. <laughs> and I, can I look cool? I know I'm using my middle finger, but can I look cool? You absolutely can. That's, it's Yay! an instant success. I, you, I would be offended if you didn't. Um, not to mention the maneuver you're pulling here looks sick as hell, yeah. You, as you described, walk up and just empty round after round into this thing. And I think it keeps trying to sort of like take shape and take form and lash out and 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 throw a, a fist out at you and blast you like a fire hose. And just like every time it tries something, you hit it with another blast until it's just sort of like a disassembled pool in, in one corner, a, a puddle, uh, if you will. <laughs> and with that, the five of you uh, are able to walk unimpeded over to the glow and and cross through i think if it's all right with you uh lake is maybe at the back of the pack here and just before you uh cross through uh that one part of your glitch that's sort of thrashing around with the fish inside of it it sort of uh thrashes and and twitches trying to fight these these creatures inside of it and sends off a bit of a spray uh and some of it hits you uh, and begins to sort of spread across you again uh, as you step through the glow. <laughs> I knew it was too good to be true. <laughs> and once again in this space between spaces, we see another scene play out.
find yourself, uh, as does everyone else, sort of locked inside Lake's perspective in a familiar place. Uh, you're in the golden jungle. It doesn't look like it did earlier today with that sort of golden hour effect. It's, it's full sunlight here. Uh, you get the sense that, that whenever this is, it's, it's not here and now. We're seeing, seeing another glimpse of something that's happened in the past. I think you're here on your own, and I think this is something you do often, that being the middle child of five kids in the Marsden family, is it? Yeah. Lake's first experiences with slug blasting after after receiving this gift of a reality cannon from her grandma, wildly irresponsible gift, um, <laughs> is just uh, less of a countercultural thing, less of a sport, less of a less of a team activity, and more of just an escape. This is somewhere that you you come to just sort of have some time to yourself, have some something that is just yours. It's not something you have to share with a sibling or invite someone along to. This is this is time just for you. And it's on one of these trips into the golden jungle uh, that that we catch up with Lake here. Um, what is what is Lake doing uh, when we find her in the golden jungle here? I, I like this idea that it's something she goes and does by herself. So I think she has founded like a secluded little meadow or like little clearing uh, that smells nice, has a has a little a small lake in it. Um, <laughs> and she just like comes here to 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 skate around and read and just sort of be quiet. Um, I think even when you asked about who parties the hardest a couple episodes ago, I pitched that she's, um, you know, good at being sociable and being around people. So I think it truly is like a secret garden um, yeah. situation. That's perfect. Yeah, I think it's uh it's in that moment where you're you're sort of debating like, man, I should really get back, you know, homework to do and dinner and don't want to be out too late or, or mom's going to be worried. Um, so you've hopped off your board and you're just kind of taking a second to like, do I really need to go back? Can I, you know, 10 more minutes, take one more sick jump off the off the hill over there and and then I can go um, and you feel something at your ankle um, and you look down and and I'd like to point out that at this at this moment. Both your ankles, as you look down, are the same color. This is this is before what happened, although pre-glitch, yeah, not by much. Um, what you do see around your ankle there is a a thick tendrilless vine reaching out that has sort of begun to coil and it's it's beginning to tug at your leg. And before you can even sort of register what's happening, your feet are out from underneath you and you're being pulled out of this meadow, out of this secret garden you found, over towards the tree line. Uh, and she's kind of like being dragged a little. Yeah, exactly, being dragged. Yeah, I think she, she starts to panic and starts winding up her, her uh, reality cannon to uh, hit this, whatever this weird plant is that's that's coming at her um, with, a, with a reality prism, the, the scrambling beam that is destructive and permanent. She goes, oh, not today, Buster. I got homework due. <laughs> yeah, I think you, you maybe had that feeling of like, feeling a little bit badass in this moment because as much as this is your escape and your sort of your quiet place it's also you're you're voyaging across dimensions and having sick adventures you know a little bit of a like uh a rush here as you as you sort of wind up your reality cannon and get ready to to do what it does best i think you're you're pulled past the tree line here but you manage to sort of whip around and, and take aim um I don't know what you're expecting to see here, um, but what you do see sort of surprises you because it's not, you know, 
a giant carnivorous Venus flytrap with, with, you know, needle-sharp teeth ready to devour you, and it's not some, like, ugly swamp monster dragging you into a bog or anything. Um, what you see kind of looks like like a cross between, like, a bear and it, it's it's got moss where it would have fur and sort of rocky segments. It, it almost looks like a piece of the earth just sort of got up and started lumbering around. Um, th this tendril is sort of coming out of uh, a big bloom on the middle of its back um, and it's pulling you towards it, but it lifts up ahead and you, you sort of make eye contact with it. And I think in that moment, like, has has a moment of doubt here where I, again, I don't know what you were expecting to see, but I think it was something a lot scarier than this. And, and in this moment, what you realize is that this is not a monster so much as a creature. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think she's even just expecting to, to, you know, cut the vine halfway and, and be free of it. Just the general concept of the forest was, was lashing out, but making eye contact with this thing, I think, like I said, she was charging up her reality can and getting ready to fire. Um, and is gonna uh, dial it back uh, and try to just um, unpleasant and temporary uh, bear from go from gunshot to bear spray, you know? Exactly, yeah. Uh, and I think maybe it's because this is a new device that you don't have a lot of practice with yet. Maybe it's just that you left it a little too late and like the shot was already firing as you tried to dial it back sort of mid-blast. Whatever the reason here, it backfires and it doesn't send the lob out at this creature I think it does sever the vine and send this thing running off spooked, but it also catches you in the crossfire. I think we sort of skip forward in time here and we see a little later on, uh, we see your mom rushing to the door and, uh, and as she opens it, she finds you in tears on the front step, uh, looking the way we, we would recognize you now with half of your body fully glitched. And she doesn't know, she, she takes a step backwards from you. She almost doesn't know what she's looking at here. Uh, but she she immediately realizes that this is this is you, this is her daughter. And she goes in for the hug and she, she holds you tight. Um, and we see that glitch sort of as it does cross over and, and uh, affect her form as well. But she doesn't let go. And then I think we see a little later on and she's, uh, we, we see a doctor's office and we see your mom having an argument. Um, she's, she's lost her composure here. She's, you know, pounding her fist and yelling as she just, she can't get the answers she's looking for. She's, she's trying her best to, to navigate a situation that she never anticipated. Um, and no one can tell her what happened to you or how to fix it or how to make it go away, how to make it right this is unprecedented no one has had to deal with this before um and you see her just getting more and more frustrated um yeah i i think as she's doing this she's like lake is sitting on the little like paper paper tray or like paper you know part of the the yeah the, the paper they slide out over the doctor's thing how many more times okay say paper this podcast <laughs> um she's sitting on the doctor's bench whatever um playing with her hand realizing like she feels mostly fine like it's obviously a disfigurement but it's not hurting her and then uh maybe like a cute young nurse walks by and kind of like gives her the side at like yeah oh. <laughs> and and she's like oh like attention she has <laughs> that first moment of realizing that this is maybe something that that sets her apart yeah. a little bit um, i think it's also somewhere in here where i established the 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 fib that we have since 
brought to truth that that sh- it was the the drip there, not the reality canon. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Some somewhere in this montage. Yeah. Here. yeah. And I think we see one final moment here as you're uh, leaving this doctor's office. I think you see your mom is approached uh, by another woman uh, who looks similarly distressed and they have a brief conversation it's in sort of hushed tones and it's a little ways away from you so you don't actually hear what they're discussing here but at the end of it you see this woman hand your mother a very familiar looking uh i guess not at the time but to you like now a very familiar looking pamphlet uh emblazoned with the doorways logo uh and as your mother accepts this pamphlet you see the light begin to overtake everything and and when it fades you're you're somewhere new once again Chester, Lake had mentioned in the last area that you were in that it might be a good idea for you to sort of try and focus on the the picture and the idea here as you go across the glow. Uh, did you do that? Uh, yeah, I think so. As especially uh, as it's clear what is happening that we're going to breach this. If he can't find the picture, then he's just trying to try think of the picture as he uh, proceeds through. Yeah, I think you you go in with that intention. Um, I think you're, you're trying to keep your, your thoughts focused because maybe maybe that has an impact on where you'll end up next. But as you're going going towards the, the portal here at the last second, you know, you're seeing the, the remains of this glitch monster thra- thrashing around and you see your friends crossing through this light and not knowing where they're going to end up. And you can't help but have that that feeling Chester always has of just wanting to protect everybody and wanting to take care of his friends. Mm-hmm. And so I think as much as you try to focus on the, the picture, there's a little bit of that in there too, that you you have this, this feeling of just like wanting to make sure that everyone's safe and wanting to do everything you can to, to be there and to, to protect everybody. Cause, cause that's what you do. And I think as you cross through the light, you find yourself on the other side in darkness um, and you don't see your friends with you. But in front of you, the only thing, aside from the sort of infinite blackness and void around you, you see your own reflection. You see a mirror image of yourself. You're wearing your armor, uh, and you're all alone in the darkness here. And the reflection shows my Miper armor? I think you currently are wearing your Miper armor, as you were in every other area here. But I think the reflection shows you in your original armor. But other than that, it's identical and you're, it's, it's moving in, in time with you as you sort of get your bearings here. And you know, if there's this, just this black void around me, uh, I think Chester would like look around to see if he sees anybody else. And uh, you know, he approaches the mirror with him, with him in his old armor. And oh boy. Who is this? And your reflection repeats the question back to you. Uh, it doesn't seem to have an answer. And I raise up my like left hand and try to like <laughs> t- try to touch him. The instant you do, your hand sort of meets this reflective surface, and as you pull it away, it sort of pulls the reflection with you. Uh, and it begins to sort of flow up over your arm, much like in a little uh, 
a little movie uh, feature film that you might be familiar with called The Matrix. <laughs> oh, I forgot. I forgot all about it up until this moment. And it slowly envelops you and you're able to sort of walk through the mirror and step through into the other side. Uh, exactly like Neo in the hit film The Matrix. <laughs> Uh, what you find on the other side, you recognize it as the fight pit from Knacker's Row in Operablum, where you recently had about as uh, Chester Babyface Capone. <laughs> but something looks off. You, you see the, the stands around you are all empty, um, but they don't look quite right. And, and as you, you look around, you realize what's going on is that everything here is sort of transparent, translucent. It's it's all made out of glass. And as you kind of look out at these stands and, and you realize that it's, it's all empty and it's all sort of crystalline around you, uh, your eyes fall down to the, the arena in front of you where you, you do see your friends here. They're all made of glass as well. Uh-huh. They look like themselves, but they also look like, like little glass statuettes of themselves, but they're, they're, here and they're moving around and and our other players can rejoin us here because you're back in the mix <laughs> so so are they in like the audience like they were during the fight kind of a no thing? they're down here on the on the floor with you like in the pit yeah um and i'm like i i like look down at my hands to see like i'm assuming they are not crystalline or they are no you're you're you you're here you're still in your miper armor and you're still still feel like yourself wow wow i didn't know this is what it was actually like down on the floor of the arena uh hey uh nick that this is you right like you're not like some sort of trick or something oh well i i think i'm me and he looks at his hands and goes except i'm see-through uh, I'm sorry, I, I must have been phasing or something. Sorry, let me just uh, stop that and... Uh, uh... <laughs> oh, no. You're all glad... Oh, what did I do? Um, Wait, how is everyone else astrophasing? They're not. I, I think everybody's glass around here. Except for, except for me. Oh. And, like, I think there's that sinking feeling uh, where it's just like all the blood kind of rushes to your core kind of thing. Like there's a little bit of numbness in the extremities. It's just like what it, this horror that's kind of come out. like, um, and I think it's in the midst of that sinking feeling that you begin to hear these deep echoing booms that come one after another, after another reverberating out. And you can sort of hear that like, tinkling sound almost like a like a chandelier in an earthquake of just like the 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 glass structures here uh as these booms echo out uh and you see a shadow begin to form in the glow up ahead which you realize is is exactly directly across from you where your challenger would have approached uh were this the real knackers row uh and you see the shadow begin to form and out of the glow steps your old power armor it's bigger than you remember it being, and you see it sort of rear up, and it raises one arm, and with a with a flick of its wrist, that long, jagged mining spike pops out, and it brandishes at you menacingly, and begins running straight towards you. 